the waning days of the French Revolution, a conspiracy was formed, the conspiracy of the equals. This group sought to overthrow the directory, the more conservative committee that had replaced Robespierre's Committee for Public Safety, the committee that was responsible for the reign of terror. They had been uh, victims of their own terror and had been replaced by the directory. But this conspiracy of equals was directed towards the directory. The, their name, conspiracy of equals, right, as that suggests, points to their devotion to the principle of equality, equality in all things. Inequality, they thought, was the cause of all evil in the world. According to the group's manifesto, quote, if there is a single man on earth who is richer and more powerful than his fellows, then the equilibrium is broken. Crime and misfortune are on earth. This group strove to, quote, remove from every individual the hope of ever becoming richer or more powerful or more distinguished by his intelligence. In doing so, they would eradicate, quote, boundary marks, hedges, walls, door locks, disputes, trials, thefts, murders, all crimes, courts, prisons, gals, penalties, envy, jealousy, insatiability, pride, deception, duplicity, in short, all vices. If we can just ensure the absolute equality amongst all human beings, basically we will be able to create heaven on earth. Conspiracy plan to overthrow the directory, kill its five members, call up the workers of Paris to rise, seize arms, occupy places of political and military significance, and then to reshape French society according to the principles of socialism. They plan to abolish private property and all money and to ensure that, quote, no member of the community may possess anything other than that what the law makes available through the agency of the governors. They also wanted to raise all children in boarding schools, right, a kind of, of communal raising of children in an echo of, of Plato's ideal city in, in the Republic. Uh, and they're also going to require military service. And they planned to ruthlessly suppress anyone who opposed them and to exercise terror in order to establish their power. The leader of the conspiracy of equals was a man named Francois Noel Babouf, the son of a soldier, a minor player in the earlier days, I mean the earlier years of the French Revolution, and a sometime forger. Babouf wrote, the, the salvation of 25 million men cannot be weighed in the balance against the consideration for a few shady individuals. A regenerator must mow down all that impedes him, all that might hinder his safe arrival at the goal he has set before him. So the regeneration, the salvation of society, justify any violence, justify the use of terror. Because but the goal is so lofty that anything that is necessary uh, in order to attain that goal is legitimate. Unfortunately for the conspiracy, they were discovered and arrested. Babouf was put on trial, which he actually seized as an opportunity to air his views to the public but he was sentenced to death and executed by the guillotine, thereby actually becoming a martyr for the cause of socialism. He was not successful, 
but he became an inspiration for those after him. The story of the conspiracy spread throughout Europe. In fact, you may have noticed that Marx and Engels actually mentioned Babouth in the Communist Manifesto. Indeed, in another work, Marx and Engels write, quote, the revolutionary movement which began in 1789 and which with Babouth's conspiracy was temporarily defeated gave rise to the communist idea. So you can trace a straight line from the French Revolution to the Communist Manifesto. The French Revolution, which Burke calls the most astonishing one that has ever happened, actually gave birth to the communist revolution. So in the modern world, revolution begets revolution. The French revolutionaries had taught the world how to revolutionize society. And they had taught the world that it was in, in some sense possible to revolutionize society, possible to tr transform, to radically transform a society. The communists took this very much to heart. The revolution was even more radical than the Jacobins though. While the Jacobins, uh, the, the radical group uh, in the French Revolution, had respected private property, and if you remember from the Declaration of Human Rights, that the private property is, is, is guaranteed, is protected, the communists see private property as the creation of the bourgeoisie that has nothing to do with the working, uh, with the working class, who have no property. Property means nothing to them. So as we see in the communist revolution, the, the communists seek a complete reworking of society, especially an economic reworking of society. So as we moving into modernity, uh, the, the revolutions are getting more revolutionary. Revolutions are, are escalating. Of course, we've seen the way in which modernity uh, it is characterized by many different revolutions, scientific revolution, French revolution, uh, rise of communism, communist, communist revolution. And it's this, there seems to be this sense of modernity. If we can just change the way that we've been doing things, we'll be able to improve man's material condition. And one of the reasons that communism is perhaps even more revolutionary than, than the others and, and so appealing is this sense that it has that if we can utterly revolutionize the world, we will actually create a heaven on earth, essentially. Even the sober Ingalls and Marx believe that the rise of the proletariat will end class struggle, and thus the struggle between nations. And thus, in a sense, really the end of history, because as Marx says, history is basically just the story of class struggle. So, I'd like to focus in on um, a revolution we haven't talked about as much yet, which is the Industrial Revolution. Because the Industrial Revolution is really important for thinking about communism. So just as the French Revolution is important, the Industrial Revolution is important for the rise of communism. We have to see that Marx and Engels are responding to the Industrial Revolution just as Wordsworth is in preface to lyrical ballads. Like Wordsworth, Marx and Engels are concerned about the effect of, of the Industrial Revolution on the human person, particularly the performance of monotonous tasks and, and what that does to the individual. Marx and Engels are much less concerned with the emotional well-being of, uh, 
uh, worker with the ability to respond to delicate beauty, uh, right, to nature, to the world of the supernatural. They're much more concerned about the material well-being of the worker. So their critique is essentially economic rather than emotional. So the Industrial Revolution is an extraordinary revolution as the world moves from primarily agrarian to the world of the factory. We move from the world of rudimentary tools to vast, uh, vast machines, uh, right? steam engines, um, and, um, and, and on all that that allows. You move from local artisans to a global commerce. And the Industrial Revolution has improved the material well-being of human beings, which is, as Descartes suggests or, you know, contends, right, that's the modern project. But it came, and perhaps it still comes, at a very high cost. In the Communist Manifesto, Marx and Engels mentioned the 10 Hours Bill in England, which was a bill that Parliament passed to restrict the hours that women and children could work in a textile mill that are restricted to 10 hours, which is staggering to think, right? Like, like that is a generous concession. Uh, that's, that's an act of protection to say, children can only work yeah, in, in a factory for 10 hours. Uh, and then you all have probably heard stories, right? About children being crushed to death by, by giant machines in the factories. This is, and, and, and the plight of children in, in the midst of the Industrial Revolution is something that Dickens is also profoundly concerned about. Marx and Engels are, are also concerned about the way that the Industrial Revolution is alienating the worker from his work. So the worker is performing these small monotonous tasks that, that separate him from the, from the final product, from the thing that he is creating. He doesn't really have a sense of, of ownership um, over, over his work. He's separated, he's isolated from it. So this is what Marx and Engels are responding to. Right? They're, they're seeing real injustice in, in the industrial revolution. They're seeing these wealthy, wealthy factory owners um, who, who treat their workers uh, quite terribly. Right? They exploit their workers. So there's this, there's this uh, really dramatic distinction between classes, right? Between those who are prospering and those who are who are suffering. So in a real sense of of, um, of injustice that they're seeing, and I'm and I'm emphasizing that because. It's so hard for us to, I think, see the appeal of communism um, because we've lived through, or at least you know, we, we've heard about, hopefully, right, the horrors of the 20th century. Which, uh, Dr. Glenn and Dr. Jenny talked a little bit about this in their, in their conversation. And Dr. Jenny mentioned the 60 million people that, uh, that Stalin has killed. Uh, we, we've, we've seen the staggering human cost of communism. So I'm emphasizing the Industrial Revolution just, just to, sort of, to help you understand why Marx and Engels um, might be drawn to this idea. Okay, so French Revolution, Industrial Revolution are really important for thinking about the, the rise of communism um, and, and particularly important for Marx and Engels. 
So very, very briefly, who are Marx and Engels? Marx is the most famous of the two. His name has been given to the movement Marxism. Um, this is actually uh, because of Engels. So Marxism was an insult from critics initially, and Engels takes Marxism and, and makes it the name of their, uh, of their philosophy. And Engels is really the one who is responsible for popularizing uh, so many of Marx's ideas. Um, and actually, actually, he gives Marx a whole lot of, of, the, of the ideas as well. He's, he's, he's really important, despite the fact that we always think of Marxist. Uh, Friedrich Engels is the son, was the son of an owner of a textile company. So he's actually a member of the bourgeoisie, as is Marx. So neither of these guys are, are workers. And, and this is fairly common, right? For revolutionary leaders who um, working on behalf of the people, but aren't actually of the people. Ingalls uh, was raised in a devout Protestant home, but he, he emphatically walks away from, uh, from religion, thinking Christianity to be uh, right, an outdated superstition. Ingalls actually travels to Manchester, England uh, to work at his father's mill there. Manchester was one of the centers of the Industrial Revolution, so Ingalls had firsthand exposure to the plight of the workers, including child labor. So he's actually, he's seeing firsthand the effects of the Industrial Revolution. He wrote articles about what he observed there, and he published articles uh, in those books. Uh, he publishes um, a work uh, entitled Outlines of a Critique on Political Economy in a radical journey, excuse me, a radical journal uh, that Marx had organized. And Marx was really impressed with this piece, which laid out uh, so many fundamental communist principles. Uh, the, and then um, that this led to the two of them collaborating um, and working together for the rest of, of Marx's life. So Marx, uh, Marx is the son of a German lawyer. Um, he is ethnically Jewish, though his father had walked away from the faith. And Marx actually has got some fairly scathing things to say uh, about Jews. So, and then like Ingalls, also a pretty anti-religious uh, guy. Ingalls was the more practical um, of, of the two. And he, he really convinced Marx that the workers would lead the coming revolution. And, and really it seems as if Ingalls actually introduces Marx to communism. Ingalls uh, supports Marx financially for, for most of Marx's life actually. Uh, Ingalls goes to, continues to work for his father's, uh, for his father's company and um, earns uh, quite a bit of money doing this. Uh, right? So through bourgeois, bourgeois work um, is able to financially support the great thinker um, of communism which is Marx. But Marx is not an incredibly productive author um, and his great masterpiece, Das Kapital, uh, only one volume of this was published while he was alive. Uh, Marx and Engels were a part of the Communist League and they write the Communist Manifesto as a statement of belief for this group, for this, for this political group. And they really do see it as a coming out party for communism. You're no longer going to be a secret, uh, secret revolutionary kind of group, but we're actually we are going to be a in the light uh, political society. And here's what we stand for.
Um, so I thought maybe just to wrap this up, I'd point out that Marx and Engels, so influenced by, by these revolutions that, that had come before them, um, so critical, um, you could say, right, of, of so much of the modern project, so critical of the of Enlightenment ideals, of where the Enlightenment ideals have led, certainly where the economic, the, the economic uh, consequences of Enlightenment ideals, they, they themselves are influenced by the Enlightenment elevation of science. They really, they really see themselves as placing communism on scientific grounds, right? careful observation, and a systematic understanding of the workings of history. So in the Communist Manifesto, they're very critical of these utopian socialists who wanted to create small paradisal socialist communities without really careful observation of economic reality and without understanding um, the great sweep of history. Critical of uh, kind of mystical socialism, uh, a socialism, motivated by a uh, brotherly love um, kind of right, Christian socialism um, even that that's in that's in the air uh, at the time they're really critical of, of of these heresies of socialism and they see themselves as scientists right, or at, at, at least practicing a scientific rigor in their in their approach to um, to communism. So, so they're very critical of the modern project, um, and yet they, they themselves are, are certainly a part of modernity at, at the same time.